With the resources that we have, it is honestly easier to communicate with one another more than any other time in history, and yet we are listening to one another less than ever. So if you think about it, you guys, on social media, as we respond to comments or accusations or politics, we are speaking out. We are saying things before anyone has a chance to say anything. And even as they say something, we're preparing our next statement. So on this conversation with Christine Miles, we are talking about how to listen well, because not only does that go out into the world, but it also massively impacts the state of your home. So Christine Miles is an award-winning author and she wrote the book, What Is It Costing You Not to Listen? So in in this conversation, we talk about how to listen well to your children, how to communicate effectively with your spouse and to let them know that you hear them and to really enhance your relationship by listening and hearing their feelings. We also talk about teaching our children how to be good listeners because that's something that we as children didn't always learn. We learned how to talk, how to respond, how to be polite, but not how to listen. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that it's one that needs to be had more often. And it means a lot to me, especially as somebody who does talking for a living. It's something that I'm also learning and continuing to implement in my life. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. If you're new to the Living Easy podcast, we talk all about relationships, sex, marriage, faith, everything with a biblical foundation and a heart to see you do better in your life, live well for the glory of God. So if you enjoy this conversation or if you like the Living Easy podcast, please take a second to go to iTunes, give a quick star rating and review. It means the world. Now let's jump into today's conversation. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee, to get through the day, and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay Maestas, and I'm here with Christine Miles. Hey, Christine. Hey, Lindsay. How are you? 
doing well, enjoying the spring day. I say it, I think on every episode right now, I'm like every day I'm looking out the window and enjoying it so much. But for our audience, Christine is the author of the critically acclaimed and award-winning book, What Is It Costing You Not to Listen? And today we are going to be talking all about listening. And I am eager to learn more, especially as a mama and a wife. So Christine, can you tell me a little bit about what prompted you to start writing about this? to start talking about this and why you think it's such an important discussion to have. Sure. I, I appreciate the question. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll start at the end and then I'll take you back to the beginning. So okay. this has been my life's work. And in when the pandemic hit, uh, I realized, I decided to write the book because I realized people were ready to listen about mm. listening in a different way. Because I think no matter how you navigated, you know, some of us lost people, some of us just, we lost time, we lost control, we lost a lot of things, right? So yeah. we're all, we're all, we all suffered in one way or another. So, and I think as collectively, we're still suffering. So I knew that it was, it was time to put this out there in a different way. And I'm glad I did. I wrote the book last May. And, uh, but this is my life's work. I, I started when I was five listening differently. Uh, that's as early as I can remember because I had a, a mother who had mental illness that stemmed mm -hmm. from her losing her mom at a very young age. Oh, so I'm she sorry. was really set up for it. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, my mother was, um, she was very warm. I mean, super loving, charismatic. She lit up the room. But people didn't see the pain yeah. uh, below the surface. So, you know, part of my job in the family was to really understand her pain in a different way. And so there was some burden in that. And we all have, you know, our upbringing and things that are positive and negative. But the gift was that I started to overachieve in other areas of my life that I really shouldn't have been as successful as I was if it were not for this differentiator that I had mm -hmm. from, from this early age. So my career has been spent on in some way, shape or form, helping people tap into themselves and others by listening differently. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story. And, and I, I think that's just to kind of relate back to you. That's what has prompted my ministry and my um, business as well as the hardship that I have faced mm -hmm. and that I've walked through and the freedom that I've experienced in having the ability to talk about it and to teach others about it. Um, but you had mentioned to me prior to the call that you had been, you said a therapist, correct? That's right. I, I didn't want to go into sales. I mean, I, coming from the, from a, with a family who had talked about psychology and the benefit of therapy, it wasn't surprising that that's something I, I wanted to do is, is go into the field of psychology. Hmm. which I did for the first five years of my career. As I said, I, I graduated from a, from college and got a, um, um, an undergraduate, undergraduate degree in psychology. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll go help people. And I had a lot of sales job offers and I yeah. didn't want to sell. So I decided, <laughs> let me go knocking on people's doors at 22 and tell them I'll be their family therapist. Yeah. So uh, never did I do more selling than in that job. But uh, I, I also really learned a lot about families and people and how to affect change and and how people live going into their homes and what they're, what's really going on. So it was pretty mm -hmm. powerful. And then I, my father was a businessman, so he was an entrepreneur. I watched him pretty, in, you know, uh, over the years and I loved business. So I thought, well, everything I'm learning there can also be applied in business settings because business is really all about relationships too. Right. So, so, um, so I've spent the majority of my career in that realm, but I still, this, you know, writing the book was really for, both relationships at home and in business, because we know we want to impact others 
in both yeah. areas. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that is professional listening, right? Therapy, yeah. not that you don't add a whole lot to the table in helping and serving your clients, but how, what did you learn during that time? Can you explain what that experience for you of listening and hearing people's stories, how that impacted your own personal life? Sure, sure. Well, I love professional listening. I think that's such a great thing to say. Uh, so here's what's interesting. So because I was really just a kid out of college with no experience at all, except my own personal experience uh, in a family. Mm -hmm. So I'm going into people's houses. I, I grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania and, and navigated a little east to Lancaster, Pennsylvania after college. And, and so I I had no preparation, no ability. I really didn't know what I was doing. Now, we had really good help and supervision through a facility in, at the uh, Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. We got training and support. But really, I, I was never given a course on listening, not in undergrad, not in graduate school. After that role, uh, I was working, and it was it's an assumed skill. You're not taught how to listen as a therapist, by and large. Hmm. I had a social worker tell me that the other day. We were at a doing a workshop for a client, and she said, oh, I had listening training. And I said, really? She said, yeah, well, I'm a social worker. And then when I asked a little bit more, she said, well, actually, they just assumed I would listen well. And probably she did, because we're better at that. But this is a skill that's assumed, not taught. Now, for me, because I listened well from my upbringing and I was trained to listen as a kid, I was able to really be successful in that role despite no experience because I could, I, I went in to listen to understand yeah. rather than to try to be the expert, which was huge in that role. And it got, it's, I stood out as a result. There were a lot of us in that role and I was younger yeah. than everybody. And I did, I did pretty well because of that. Yeah, that's interesting when you say just my husband, my husband is more of the quiet type and I am obviously, this is what I do. I like to talk and communicate and I'm very extroverted. But one thing that I've really learned from him that is a constant bad habit of my own is to just fill the space when things are quiet. And I realize how much I miss in that opportunity or even how much I steal from other people by trying to fill the gaps because it's awkward or silent or and for him he he speaks when he has something of value to say you know he doesn't speak just to fill the noise and so i am curious i'm i'm so curious about all of this and curious in how you were trained up as you were younger but let's start by defining what is a listening problem and what are a few ways that this can impact our relationships? Well, that's, again, an, another great question. And I, and I appreciate your awareness that that is a difference between extroverts and introverts because it, we can, and I'm extroverted as well, but mm. we can we can want to fill the space and, and being comfortable with silence is a hard thing. And there's an emotional cue to that too, not just an introversion, extroversion. So so that is a battle. Like, so our brains are the enemy of listening. That's really what you're describing as an extrovert and, yeah. and being uncomfortable with silence. So that's our first problem is that we're not wired to be good listeners, and then we're not taught. We're, we're told to listen from a young age, but we're not taught how. There's yeah. zero years of education uh, in our school systems. As I said, I went up through my master's and got it certified as a family therapist through a world-renowned facility at the time, and no no years of listening for me either. So mm -hmm. that's so you combine those two things, and we're really set up to fail. 
and we're failing pretty miserably at home with mm. our kids and we don't even know it because we don't know what good lis- good listening looks like and we're not used to thinking this as a problem because we're told you're not a good listener but we don't really know what to do about it. Mm. So teach me. <laughs> teach me your ways. What yeah. are some what are some common ways that maybe we create dissension in our parenthood or in our marriages by being a bad listener? And what are some practical, implementable ways that we can make changes? Okay. That's that's great. And that's the heart of the issue, right? And I love that you're framing it in, in the in the re- relative to the relationship because the relationship is an organism and I mm-hmm. equate listening to oxygen. And what we do is we we don't just you know, choke off the relationship in such a way that we're strangling it quickly. We do it very slowly, almost like when we have a blockage in our heart, right? We just slowly restrict the oxygen by missing times where we're we're just missing the point or really missing the person when -hmm. we're listening. And then over time, we're kind of suffocating that organism of the relationship. So that's how it's so slow that we don't notice that it's not good until it's too late often, which is why we have, you know, disconnected family sometimes, divorce happens because the relationship has kind of suffered and we've been blind to it. So one of the things we have to realize is that it's important that we put time on task and really learn how to listen differently. So that um, I'm happy to give you some some tips around that. But I just want people to understand that we, if we don't know what the problem is and we don't know what we're fixing, then it's really hard to enact something. We have to kind of unpack why we're struggling and mm-hmm. be aware that we're struggling. Otherwise, we have nothing to fix. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wisdom. I feel when I, as you're speaking, you know, I'm thinking to moments with my oldest son, he is, um, six and a half now, and he is really coming into his emotions and really Mm -hmm. coming into him, his own struggles. And it's been a little bit of a battle lately in our home. Um, just for us, you know, trying to to learn how to communicate effectively with him in a way that he feels heard. And so many of those moments have been, you know, sitting on the floor and just being eye to eye with him. And and for me, choosing, which is difficult, <laughs> choosing mm-hmm. to not try to fix the situation always, but to just hear his heart and to hear him out and mm-hmm. and to ask those questions, you know, what is something that made you feel embarrassed today? Or, you know, what is it do you think that's causing these struggles? But as we have those moments and and as we see maybe repeated issues or repeated struggles, I think it becomes easier especially for me to want to fill those gaps and just like give an answer or cut it off or, you know, like you, you keep doing this or you keep saying this and, and we're not finding a solution and, and trying, I think for me, it's, it's sitting down to realize like there doesn't always need to be that fix all for them, that hearing their heart can be part of the resolve. Would you agree with that? Uh, amazingly so i would agree with that yes that that's real wisdom to even know that that's the problem so problem solving wanting to fix it whether it's in business personal whatever our personal relationships with our kids our family our friends is the number one reason why we are we struggle with listening it's mm. really hard to see someone we love and care about in pain and so yeah. sometimes the the greatest gift and and i write about this in the book is simply to bear witness and, 
and that alone is is enough of a gift to help be the resolve. So what what good listening looks like is not about you know rushing someone to to the end of the story and to, to solving the problem. It's to bring them along with you to want to solve the problem. Mm, so you know that's and and again as a parent this I, it's it's a struggle because it's it's your children you you have more wisdom and and the more knowledge and expertise you have and the more you see a problem the more likely you are going to be to rush to fix it because of course you know the answer so you're ahead of them before understanding so we we say precursor is to listen to understand before we listen to solve mm-hmm. and and how to do that there's there's lots of things to do but one of them and, and you're you're kind of onto it is that to start using what we call the the six most powerful questions that you can ask someone and these are the these are the questions that journalists and therapists use you know professional story gatherers as we call them and one of them is how does that make you feel so rather than assigning that feeling, just ask, you know, how does that make you feel? And yeah. and watch what happens because that yeah. people will open up and boys included. There, there's yeah. a book called <laughs> How to Talk to Boys. I think that's the name of it. I used to play a lot of basketball with boys because if you distract them, they're more inclined to talk sometimes and sitting yes. eye to eye. Yes, that's so funny yes. you say that. I I realize that with Sutton that some, well, usually it's either if he wants to go to bed or he actually doesn't want to go to bed, but he's in bed and he has to go to bed and if I sit and just am present with him, he'll talk so much more than mm-hmm. if he has a desire to go do something else or be somewhere else. But also if he's playing a game on his his Nintendo Switch or something, he'll just chat as he's playing the game more so than if I were to sit eye to eye and ask him questions. So I like that you say that because I yeah. think that has proven true for him at least. Boys are just, they're socialized a little differently. Girls like that eye to eye, sit down often. But but even girls can resist if if we kind of go at things in a different way. But boys are inclined to, if you distract them a little, they'll tell you a lot. Yeah. Um, it's a misnomer. But I, but I also think it's important, you know, what's the saying, we're raising men, not boys, that mm-hmm. we need to socialize both girls and boys to acknowledge and understand feelings. And one of that question, how does that make you feel? When I ask people in business, if they would ask their customers that or a colleague or an employee, they're very reluctant often to, to ask that feeling. They say it's far too personal. It's far too, you know, something I wouldn't say in business. It feels uncomfortable. And I just think we're missing each other when we're not asking that question. And I really hope that becomes a more normal thing to start asking people because it's so yeah. important. How we feel is the thing that matters more than anything. So I'd like to see that we do that more with our children. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And in relationships, so this is kind of what I do. I do marriage coaching, relationship coaching. It's my heart. And I see that communication, I mean, through and through with any relationship, but specifically in marriage, I've seen how uh, massively impactful and detrimental a lack of communication can be within a relationship and specifically a lack of listening and hearing one another out and hearing the heart of the other person. Imagine believing and experiencing the truth that marriage is a gift from God to be embraced, not a burden to endure. Most marriage problems, you guys, are not marriage problems. They are God problems and they are heart problems. 
Nobody walks down the aisle to say I do with a plan to have a mediocre, difficult marriage that ends in divorce. Divorce is painful and messy and hard. And God didn't call you to be a wife who fixes and fixes and exhausts herself with the efforts to make her husband better. Instead, he called you to be a love him wife. Did you know that 50% of marriages end in divorce? And in 2020, the top reported reasons for divorce were a lack of communication and an inability to resolve conflict. Ladies, have you equipped yourself properly? Would you wait until your entire house had burnt down before seeking help? It is more likely that if your house were on fire, as soon as you saw the spark of that first flame, you would be doing everything you could to fight it, to fix it, and to learn from it. It should be the same for your marriage. It's time to make a change. I am here to speak with you all about the Wife Project. Our society views marriage as disposable, but God's word calls us to so much more than that. The purpose of the Wife Project, which has already been purchased by hundreds and hundreds of women, is to challenge you to grow so deeply in your relationship with Jesus that it has no choice but to flow over into your marriage. I have received countless testimonials that God is using this course to actively change and transform very real marriages from the core. I'm offering eight video sessions that will address your root issues with biblical wisdom that will help to lead you to live the life with your husband that you always hoped for as soulmates rather than sharing life as roommates. The best part of this is that you will have lifetime access to the entire course. So if you can't listen to it or watch it right now, it will still be available to you in five, 10 or 15 years. And all of the videos and the Wife Project Journal will be easily accessible for you. The journal will include marriage challenges, scripture memory verses and journal questions to begin working through the deep struggles of your marriage immediately. And I cannot wait to see what Jesus does in your faith and in your marriage through this course. Just visit my website, sparrowsandlily.com or click the link in the show notes below or the link in my bio on Instagram at livingeasywithlindsay for more information and to sign up for the wait list. In your opinion, what are some, maybe even in your experience in therapy, what are some of the most um, helpful or beneficial tips that you can give for somebody who feels like their spouse does not hear them and um, or that they are just not hearing or seeing eye to eye with their spouse because they can't get on the same page with hearing one another's heart? Yeah, I, I, I remember this was many years ago. I, I worked at an employee assistance program, which is a a benefit program through businesses, where I always did some counseling, even though I ran the organizational development part of the business. And a couple came in, they had teenagers, like 15, 16, they had a shore house, you know, they had a whole life together, they had been together since they were in their late teens. And I said, well, what do you two have in common? They said, absolutely nothing. I mm, went, oh my, wow. that's yeah. a big disconnect. I, you have a lot in common. Uh, but but that's what happens over time. We, we start to believe that. And I think the real miss is that we listen to agree rather than listen to understand. And one of those two things have very little to do with one another. I can fundamentally disagree with everything you're saying. That doesn't mean I can't understand you and understand the feelings behind it. So one of the basic rules of conflict management is to find areas of agreement, not disagreement. So if we can agree to understand rather than agree to disagree, I think we're much further down the road. 
So, you know, how do you do that? How do I show you that I understand? Well, I have to first, you know, overcome the, you know, my own objections and my own story that's going off in my head so I don't start arguing. But how do I really hear your story and then affirm that I hear and I, and I really get you and understand you? And we call that the listening path. That's really the path to getting the story, affirming not only the facts of what, you, what, what you're saying, but the feelings and the, the meaning and the message behind your saying what you're saying, and then showing that I, I get you and I understand. We use the words, I understand, like that's satisfying. That's, yeah. I'm never more less satisfied than when someone says, yeah, I understand. That just mm-hmm. means to me, I'm not sure that you do. So <laughs> <laughs> I could argue with that. So sh- tell me what you understand. And some of that is, is really just doing that. You know, it sounds like for you, Lindsay, your, you know, your son's at a critical age. He's six. Things are so he's changing you know, dynamically. You're seeing that before your eyes and you're seeing some of his emotional struggles. And sometimes when you're talking with him, you just want to fix it and make it better rather than just letting his heart and his feelings come to you. And that's really hard as a parent. Yeah. Do I get you? Yeah. yeah. So how does that feel versus I understand? Yeah, I like that better. Yeah. It's a I lot do. better, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it, well, if think of him and he's so emotionally te- intelligent. I'm using this as an example just because it's thrown me for a loop, you know, just trying to gather where he's coming from and mm-hmm. all these emotions he's had. But when I do, I'm sure I've said many times, I understand, even to my husband, I understand. And there's just this, um, no, but you don't fully get it. So as mm-hmm. you're saying, it's it's really just reassuring them. And I do get you. I do. I hear you. Well, and that's one of we. So there's there's six tools to becoming an amazing listener or what we call story gatherer. And one of those tools is this thing we call the flashlight, which is really to many reflect the story that you're that you just heard. So I my belief is the most powerful story you can tell someone is their own. Mm. And whenever you're listening to someone, whether that's the the cashier check out, you know, telling them a little bit about the day, their day, you're listening to their story, right? When you're talking to your son, you're listening to their story. So how do I reflect what I heard, shine a flashlight on what's most important as if a stranger came in and you told them what you just heard, like tell them the story and then that's so that's that shining that light is the first step to really affirming understanding. The second is what is what we call that it's called a water filter because we liken this to you, you know, you wouldn't go hiking in the woods with without any tools in your backpack, right? You need water, right. you need clean water. You you wouldn't survive. Well, we're going into conversations and relationships in a similar way. No tools in our backpack. So so one of the things is our brains contaminate the story. Like you just described, I don't like to see my son in pain. I want to help fix it. That's, the, that's what your brain's saying. Mm-hmm. So how do I make sure my brain story hasn't contaminated the story I just heard? So that, that flashlight shining the light on the important parts of the story, facts and feelings is one. The second is now to confirm, do I get you? Do I get you? And that's, that's the water filter that makes sure there's no contamination. So that when I say, no, Lindsay, do I get you? You're either going to say, you sure do, or well, you do, but, and, and you're going to tell me more. And you're either way, it's gaps. a win. Either way, yeah. it's a win. Because then you're crystallizing even further 
what the heart of the matter and the issue is. And that's very, very powerful as a listener. Hmm. Yeah, that's really impactful. I like that. And I like the flashlight concept as well. I think that sometimes it can feel maybe a little awkward if you're talking to a stranger and you're not quite sure, especially if they're unloading or just needing somebody to talk to and having a hard day to maybe not feel as if you know what to say. And especially for people who don't have practice in communicating and, and don't have, didn't grow up in a family that spoke Mm -hmm. to strangers often, you know, I think that these are really helpful tools and just saying, okay, this is a way that I can effectively communicate and help somebody to feel seen. That's so important to me and my ministry and what we do is just making sure that people feel seen and loved and heard. And um, sometimes even when I am in an environment where I don't feel comfortable or I don't feel like fully caffeinated or present, Mm -hmm. I leave feeling so bad that I didn't give some assurance maybe or some feedback to that person. So that flashlight is really, it's really helpful to me. And obviously for us and exemplifying this to our children, our families, even if it's something that we didn't learn, we live it out and our children see it. But what are some other ways that we can teach our children to become better listeners? Well, you know, that's, it, it's, it's interesting you ask that because I, I mean, my hope when, you know, my, I'm on a, I call it a listening mission. I think, mm. uh, you know, we're, we've, we spend a lot of time teaching kids and adults how to tell, talk and know, and very little time on how to listen. And so I think that we're, we're not preparing young people as into their lives to listen differently is such a mess. So so my hope is that part of this movement will be to to change that paradigm. And yeah. I think I think one is one of the things that I already mentioned which is when you ask children how they feel, they get more comfortable with asking others mm-hmm. and paying attention to feelings. So I think we need to socialize that more uh, and make it okay and that's a cuz that's a huge part of listening is how how you feel. And when you when you listen even to journalists getting a story from someone, they're using that question quite frequently. So that's one thing. So modeling that's really, really important. And, um, you know, I think the other is is to, to kind of unveil how you're also showing them to listen, just like that flashlight and say to them, hey, when, when you know, your grandfather tells you something, reflect back his story, tell him what you heard instead of just say yes or no. You can kind mm-hmm. of shape them into that behavior because it's really it's, that's the gift. You don't have to solve the problem. The gift is really just that gift of understanding. And it does change the way people feel about themselves and about you when you, you give that. So I think it's okay to, I'd like to create a common language around this. It doesn't need to be like a secret, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes my boyfriend uses these tools on me and I'm mad (laughs) at him and I'm like, how dare you? And yet I still, (laughs) I still want to, I want to answer it and I want to feel understood. So I, even if I'm frustrated, I, I of course go, okay, I'm going to tell you because you're, it works. It's hard to resist being understood. It's really Mm. hard to resist. Wow. That's powerful. That's really, really good information. I, I, as I look on the internet and social media and even, you know, political debates, all those things that really has been extremely heavy on my heart lately, the amount of kind of demanding our way that we have been doing in our world lately and Mm -hmm. how I feel that 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 has to flow back into the home. You know, when you see someone yelling Mm -hmm. at a server or talking down to somebody or 
you know, trolling on social media and just being so negative and angry, it obviously stems from the heart. And so it's going to flow into your home as well. And when we're so insistent on what we have to say, we're unwilling and unable to hear someone else. And and we really already, it seems, and I don't mean to generalize, but as a whole is what it I am perceiving is that there's already an answer before we put a question out there. Like we're already unwilling to hear the other side when we throw something out because we we just want to say the next piece that we have to say. And again, mm-hmm. that's kind of the filling space, but also it's a sense of pride and it's a sense of entitlement and and we're not willing to learn. So I guess in closing, Christine, I would like to ask you, what are some ways that we can get to the root of that? What are some ways in your opinion that we can really start working through the heart of the issue, the heart of kind of just wanting to share our peace and then shutting down so that we can really work through our own turmoil and bring more health to our family life? Yeah, it's hard to watch, isn't it? It's really mm-hmm. hard to see the pain that we're spewing on each other and where it comes from. And it, and again, I think there's, look, there's the it's always the extreme, but I think most people are much closer than they are far apart and mm-hmm. at the fundamental issues. And some of the issues have been so polarizing. So it, it's, it is really tough. But yeah. here's Psychology 101. Nobody likes to be told what to do and telling doesn't work. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can tell your kids to do something it, you know, if they don't want to do it, it's pretty hard to get (laughs) to do it without some consequences. Right. (laughs) And we're taking that into adulthood and expecting I'll tell them and therefore it'll work. Even we're trying to be helpful. So it's kind of a losing battle. Now I see it as a lot of pain right now. That's, that's what I see. I see a lot of pain. Yeah. And so, you know, look, I'll use a negative analogy to make a positive one. You know, you look at what happened at the Oscars with, you know, mm-hmm. the, the hit on stage. It, it just takes one person to start a movement. So now, you know, we have another situation where now Chappelle is on the stage as a comic. I just and saw that. It's crazy, right? Yeah. That's how, that's how things happen. Behavior happens by someone crossing a barrier and, and doing something. So how do you break a timed mile, you know, once one person does it, that barrier is broken. It's much easier for the next person. So that's kind of a negative analogy. Mm -hmm. I believe we can do the same thing around being more human and kind to one another, that, that if we all just start the movement, you know, just give it and don't expect it back, then that also has the ability to catch on. And I think there's a lot of us out there and people, I believe in the good of people and that, you know, by and large, people want to be there for each other. They're just in their own in their own headspace. So that's why I call it the gift of understanding. And I say, give it because when you give that, you're going to feel better. Take that back to your home, and then the chances are that that's also going to it's going to more love in the world. It's going to breed more love in the world. So yeah. uh, it's it's not a simple fix, but I think we can if we just all take a little bit of ownership that let's give instead of expect to receive in this way. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty powerful. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I honestly I know we people give the younger generation a little bit of a harder time, but what I have seen through scrolling on social media and just the conversations is I feel like they 
I don't know if it's Gen X, Gen Z, I don't even know anymore, but like <laughs> a little bit if, of both. <laughs> yeah. They're they're really trying to unlearn some mm-hmm. bad behaviors. Yeah. And they're really trying to yeah. hold accountable the people who are committing those bad behaviors. And I think obviously there can be a level there of condemnation or criticism, but I I do think that that accountability is healthy. And I think the willingness to unlearn and um, just kind of pausing and saying, wait, just because my parents did it this way doesn't mean I have to do it this way. Or just because I saw it this way, I can be the change. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like that's what you're talking about, Christine, is just that positive domino effect, the positive intentionality to be the one who stops and asks that grocery man, how he's doing that day or your your post office mailman, you know, just taking the time to, to care about people, taking the time to hear people, but also, and maybe even more so, doing that within your home because life is so rushed. It is so busy and hectic mm-hmm. and chaotic that we miss out on just sitting and just being and without having a phone in our hands ready to pull us away or even sitting up mm-hmm. on the dinner table, you know, just ready for something else. It just tells people, you're not that important to me. I have something else that could be calling me that's more important than you and my time with you. Mm-hmm. And and I think that those are those little changes that we can make where we say, no, I, I'm putting this away and I'm hearing you, or I'm going to go on a walk just to listen to your heart, or I'm going to stop and ask that person how their day is really going. Um, that it just, I mean, in this world with suicide at such a high and Mm -hmm. brokenness and loneliness and community just lacking in that, in fellowship and relationship, because we're so focused on the social media aspect of things, people need love. Like they just really, really need love. So I love what you're doing, Christine. I think that your message is powerful. I think your book, What Is It Costing You Not to Listen, is going to make changes in people's lives, very real changes. So um, for our audience, I just want to encourage you, go pick up that book. Take a minute to just kind of stop and assess and evaluate in your own life. What are the areas that I, I don't feel I'm hearing my partner? What are the areas I don't feel like I'm hearing my child? And As always in the Living Easy Podcast, I want to call you up, call you up to make a change, to not accept that or numb out to it, but to actually make a difference in your life because as always, nothing changes if nothing changes. So Christine, I I just want to say thank you so much and I'd love for you to tell our audience one thing that you hope they really gain from reading your book, What Is It Costing You Not to Listen, and also where they can find you online. Sure. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I wrote it as a guide because I it's a manual. Uh, it's, so don't be confused that it's it's a business book. It's a relationship book too. I mean, that's Love the that. primary message here. So, so all the tools are there. And so the, what I hope is that you'll take one thing and you start applying it and, and one thing will change the game in your relationships. Um, it, it doesn't take much. We, we think change has to be this domino, this huge thing. One move, one tool used properly will change things dynamically. So that's that's my hope. Uh, and they can find the book on, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can go to my website, which is equipped. That's E-Q-U-I-P-T, P as in Paul, T as in Tom, dash people.com. So I'd love to hear from your listeners if I can be of any help. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes. And you guys, as always, if you enjoyed this conversation, please do screenshot it. If you purchase Christine's book, screenshot it, tag us, let us know what you're gaining, what you gleaned from our conversation. We love hearing from you. Um, and, and truly, I mean, my heart is just, I feel encouraged today, Christine. I feel encouraged by you. So thank you for being here. And I, I genuinely 
love this avenue and it's something I want to be better at. <laughs> it's something I need to implement more in my own life. Um, so yeah, I'm just very thankful to have you here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate what you're doing as well. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, we love you and we'll talk to you next Monday.